Howdy, Pilgrims. We are back with a phenomenal lineup of companies to cover today. Indubitably, Sam. A great mix this week, some old favorites, and some startups you may not have heard of before. Let's dive into this week's dose. Yeah, Sawa Credit just came out of stealth mode and announced their $3 million seed round led by Precursor Ventures to provide underserved borrowers with a community-backed safety blanket. Open Sponsorship, a sports influencer marketing agency, recently received a seven-figure investment from Serena Ventures to connect pro athletes to prominent brands like peanut butter and jelly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and your old favorite, Angelus, could not stay out of the weekly dose. They're addicted to Venture Pill as they recently announced a $44 million raise from its customers at the same $4 billion pre-money valuation as the recent Series B we covered earlier. Back for yet another dose. They, they just can't stay out of headlines, huh? <laughs> no, they can't. And lastly... Elon Musk's The Boring Company raised a $675 million Series C, putting them at a $5.7 billion valuation, led by Sequoia, with participation from many others, to tackle a problem everyone knows and loves, traffic. Let's dig in. Here we go. This is Venture Pill with your hosts, Sam and Brandon. We're here to prescribe you your weekly dose of venture capital and startup news to keep you informed in the evolving world of venture. All right, our first company of the day is Sawa Credit, which recently came out of stealth mode, announcing their $3 million seed round, which was led by Precursor Ventures. Now, this company provides a platform that keeps underserved borrowers from defaulting on mortgages, rent, and other types of bills. And the company leverages machine learning coupled with behavioral science to assess creditworthiness and financial health of the people on the platform. And they also provide this community aspect where they have communities of homeowners and renters which share similar values, demographics, and locations. Love the idea behind Sawa Credit here. It reminds me of Upstart, which is it recently went public actually, but basically a lending company that assesses creditworthiness using artificial intelligence and machine learning to grant favorable loan terms to people that might not normally have access to loan terms like that. Right, and you mentioned the traditional aspects of assessing creditworthiness. There are actually four C's mm. when it comes to creditworthiness. Um, credit score, of course, capital, collateral, and capacity. You got to sail the four C's. <laughs> the four C's, but actually Sawa believes there should be five. And you know what the fifth is? Baltic? <laughs> it's the uh, it's the Mediterranean. No, uh, it's community, and community is a key component of Sawa Credit's angle when it comes to helping people in these one-off scenarios. I think it's best explained by a quote by Charles Phillips, their CEO and founder. Uh, so, quote: Picture a single dad who has always paid bills on time, and he suddenly gets sick, can't work, and misses payments on his rent or mortgage. Now he'll have a community to help him pay and catch up so he doesn't default on his loans. And then when he lands on his feet, he will in turn pay it forward. 
So I think that's I think that's really cool. I think that's awesome. I love the community building aspect of Sawa Credit. And I think just to take a step back here, considering the climate of today's world, I think a platform like Sawa Credit might give families more peace of mind and confidence in different loan options that they have as opposed to traditional financing options. They also have some great leadership and board members at Sawa Credit, including Michael Pence, the Nobel Prize winner and former Dean of Stanford Graduate School of Business, as well as David Brady, author and political economist and former Associate Dean of Stanford Graduate School of Business. Yeah, and I believe that a lot of the leadership team and the core members of the company as of now came from Stanford as well, so they likely made those connections there. And the other thing we liked about this company is that it is truly mission-based, right? It's finding a unique way to help folks maybe in worse financial situations, provide them with a solution that that I haven't heard of before. Yeah, I think it's actually a more common problem than everyone realizes these communities of underserved borrowers that default on mortgages or any other loan that they may take out from a bank, again, especially in today's climate. And I really like the concept of scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. That yeah. seems to be promoted here at Sawa Credit. Right. And the issue with those kind of one-off scenarios is that that can really spiral out of control. Mm -hmm. Things could be going smoothly and all of a sudden you get a big old medical bill and you're out of work. Like these, these scenarios deserve a little bit of leeway and to leverage community I think is a genius way to do that because people want to help each other out and then once they've been helped out, they'll be more likely to help others and, and you know, continue to be contributing members of, of Sawa. I think it's really cool. Agreed. And I like the pivot away from your traditional lender, which in my eyes, at least a lot of like a credit card company, for instance, would have a negative connotation because I know that they want me to accumulate, you know, late fees yeah. and charges like they're making money as I'm losing money. Whereas with Sawa Credit, it's a community helping each other out. The people that are helping you out aren't preying on you to continue exactly. getting deeper and deeper into a financial hole. And it mm -hmm. compounds really quick, as you mentioned. The incentives are aligned here, which I think is definitely a trend that we're seeing in Web3 and across the board kind of, of recent. Uh, whether this is a Web3 company or not, I think the principle remains the same. Is uh, Incentives are truly aligned here, and I think that's a beautiful way to address this issue. Uh, so they just came out of stealth. We'll certainly be tracking them as they add to the team, get some customers, and as we learn more, we'll, we'll hope to cover them on their next round. Right. Excited to spread the good word on Sawa Credit. Next story Sam and I wanted to cover today is Open Sponsorship, which is a sports influencer marketing agency, which recently received a seven-figure investment from Serena Williams' venture fund, Serena Ventures, which Sam and I have actually highlighted a couple times in Venture Pill history. Serena joins David Blitzer, the owner of the Philadelphia 76ers, and he's also the co-owner of Crystal Palace, a notable English Premier League club. So with open sponsorship, there are two major players on the site. On one side, there are the athletes who can sign up for free, and as they get sponsorships with different brands, open sponsorship takes an agency fee, if you will, from the athletes, and on the flip side of that are brands who sign up with open sponsorship and pay with a subscription model and pair them with specific athletes 
using AI and data-driven decision-making to find the best athlete for this specific brand. And the brand can choose to pair with that athlete for one campaign or have them for multiple campaigns, kind of a full-service platform. Yeah, it's a really cool model and a classic uh, two-sided marketplace, network effects. Uh, We could get into that all day long. (laughs) Uh, But there are actually some really notable athletes on the platform already. We were searching through some athletes you may or may not have heard of. LeBron James, Magic Johnson, Tiger Woods, Tony Hawk, and really a variety of sports stars from even the more obscure leagues and right. around the world too. Athletes so. you may actually not have heard of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and some of these athletes have such massive followings on Instagram or Twitter, whichever social media platform. So they're naturally an influencer. For a brand to have the ability to partner up with this athlete is a tremendous platform that's open sponsorship has built. Yeah. And they have a lot of big corporations and brands on the platform leveraging the service, which include Walmart, Foot Locker, Levi's, plenty more beyond the traditional sponsorships that we're used to. More obscure brand partnerships that you might not think of, like LeBron with Sprite or (laughs) Shaq with the General Auto Insurance. Oh, man. These these are some classics. (laughs) Yeah. I think Shaq's on the platform, too. Yeah. I wonder if he's used it for one of his 12 different sponsorships. Icy Hot, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. That man is all over the place. Um, Yeah. Let's transition over to a couple quick stats here, because this is where it gets really juicy. The company was launched in 2015 by Ishveen Jolly. There are currently 12,000 athletes on the platform globally. And by the end of 2021, the company facilitated over 10,000 deals across 400 brands, reaching $5 million in top-line revenues. Wow, that's, that's incredible. I mean, given probably the smaller percentages of these deals that they're earning, that to me indicates that they're doing a pretty good volume of deals. I wonder, I'd be curious to see the distribution of the deal size, the campaign agreement size, like are a majority of those dollars coming from like two big LeBron deals or something like that? Or is there a big long tail of smaller athletes and smaller contract values? I'd be curious to see that, but I know that they have a wide range and, and they're definitely growing. I think the plans with this raise we saw is to grow into the UK market specifically uh, as, a, as a core focus for expansion. The company's headquartered in New York, and they recently actually hired Charlie Turner, a former British Olympic swimmer and co-founder of Neat Nutrition. He is the new head of UK for open sponsorship. So should be interesting to see how they grow continually in the US, but as well into the UK and Europe. Agreed. And they're already a pretty global platform, but to see how they focus and hone in on the UK market will be interesting to see. Yeah, so we will definitely keep you updated on that. Uh, we have our third or fourth at this point update on Angelus for I you guys. I lost track. Yeah, I mean, it's about every other episode at this point. <laughs> uh, the company continues to dominate the headlines. Now, this one's a, a shorter story for you guys, but we figured it was worth updating. The round that we covered several episodes back, their Series B $100 million, a lot of prominent investors. That was exciting, but they actually extended the opportunity to invest to some of their customers recently at the same $4 billion pre-money valuation. Right. I think it it only makes sense that a company like AngelList, which allows people to invest in startups, would also allow its customers to invest in AngelList. 
a top startup in and of itself, right? right? And so they actually made that offer available to their general and limited partners. And they said almost 10% of active limited partners, those who had invested within the last year, participated in this round, raising a total of 44 million, which is no chump change. Right, and I think that that just shows such high conviction from the customers, um, even though the valuation is already at $4 billion. Yeah, definitely stay tuned. Probably three weeks from now, we'll have another update on Angelus. <laughs> I think last time we said that jokingly, and here we are today. So you never know with these guys. Yeah. And for the final story of this week's dose, Sam and I wanted to cover um, someone who's not really been in the headlines very much recently. Mm-hmm. Kind of been, you know, living under a rock. Yeah. So we're talking about Elon Musk. And contrary to what everyone's talking about right now, we're not here to talk about Twitter. We're actually here to talk about the Boring Company, which is one of Elon's relatively smaller companies. Yeah, Although, a mere $5.7 billion company. Right. There's a caveat when I say that because the Boring Company recently raised $675 million in a Series C bringing its valuation up to 5.7 billion. That is Ooh. a that is a small herd of unicorns at that point. <laughs> yeah. So the Series C was led by Sequoia Capital and Vi Capital with participation from Valor Equity Partners, Founders Fund, 8VC, Craft Ventures and DFJ Growth. So I actually learned a little bit more about the Boring Company with this news. There are two big projects that the Boring Company has been undertaking recently, Loop and Proofrock. Um, I'll start with Loop, and then maybe, Sam, you can go take it away with Proofrock. I'll dig (laughs) dig so deep with Proofrock. (laughs) So in October, the Boring Company got approval to construct a network of tunnels underneath Las Vegas, a 29-mile loop that would hit the best tourist spots in Sin City. And of course, everyone is being transported in Teslas, naturally. Naturally. Operations on that loop are set to commence this year. Funny enough, on April 1st, just a couple weeks ago, Elon stole headlines with a proposal for a hyperloop that would run from LA to Austin, and it would only be 75 minutes one way. In all seriousness, this, this release ended up being an April Fool's joke. But honestly, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Elon pitches this again one day and, you know, we end up seeing it. Nothing would surprise me with him. Right. I mean, he he manifests memes into reality, this guy. Unbelievable. Um, but, yeah, that would be pretty cool. I think whether we see the Austin to L.A., I think he'll he and the company will continue to innovate and solve this big problem of traffic through underground tunneling. Um, I think that's a good point to dig in <laughs> dig into proof rock which is an automated mining machine that can tunnel continuously without humans in the tunnels so they're on their second iteration of this machine the proof rock 2 can mine at a speed of one mile per week uh, which is slower than your average snail the next generation that they're working on the three is designed to tunnel at seven miles per day whoa so, so Slow down there. Do some mental math there. That's a 49x increase, I mm. think. Yeah. But for the, for now, the Proofrock 2 is mining at one mile a week, uh, and they're producing one new Proofrock machine per month, which comes out to 600 miles a year of capacity. <laughs> it's starting to sound like a middle school math problem, <laughs> as you said. If right. Elon heads due east at 45 miles per hour, 
How and many nautical miles <laughs> yeah. would it take for him to get to Twitter headquarters? Submit your answers in the comments. Uh, I don't think we have the answer yet, but mm-hmm. we'll be calculating it here right after I'm on <laughs> recording. It. Okay. But here's an interesting tidbit. As a point of reference, less than 20 miles of underground subway tunnels have been constructed in the United States in the last two decades. I don't get it. Which is wild. I mean, we were getting into the history of subways a little bit here before recording. I love it. I dove down a, a deep tunnel of tunnels <laughs> um, like a couple months ago and was learning about the history of Boston and New York and how there was kind of a race to see who could build the first subway system. And the fact that they were doing that in the late 1800s, early 1900s, this was all kind of coinciding with the late end of the Industrial Revolution, lots of building going on. Not safely, I think a lot of people died in the building of these tunnels. It all leads back to this question, why have we stopped doing this? Why isn't there a subway system in Texas yet that's prominent? Like Only the older cities have it. Right. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. We made such a great start with, I mean, the subway system is so intricate in New York and Boston and a couple cities across the country. But yeah, to completely halt, especially as technology has only exponentially improved is you know, a little bewildering. Yeah, and I think that's why Elon, you know, he could be spending his time in a lot of different areas, but this was an obvious one for him to allocate some of his time away from Tesla, away from SpaceX, two massive companies. Of course, now he's adding Twitter, but Boring Company is holding its own. I mean, this is a massive problem that affects almost everybody in Mm -hmm. some way each day. It's traffic, and to make travel more efficient within and between cities is a worthwhile goal. Uh, And it's going to start with tunnel digging speed. And the technology that they have, we couldn't begin to understand it. But they're certainly getting better with each iteration of the Proof Rock. It'll be really cool to see when the three gets in action. Right. And the boring company is not really boring at all. It's just relative to Tesla, electric cars, and SpaceX, maybe it's a little bit boring out of those three. But it's pretty remarkable how Elon is on one hand running SpaceX which is going to, you know, commercialize space travel and he's also excavating into the core of the earth. Like he's he's going he's out going, of this world and into this world. I was going to say subterranean, terranian with cars right. and then extraterrestrial. Wow. Yeah. Well, actually I don't know if it's extraterranean maybe. <laughs> So the Boring Company will use the funding to increase hiring across its engineering teams, operations, production teams, as well as scale those loop projects, like I mentioned, that loop that will commence construction around Las Vegas this year, as well as accelerate the development of Proofrock 3, which will significantly increase the speed in which we can excavate tunnels underground. Well, it's interesting, and maybe this is how we wrap up the episode, but I think Elon just got fed up with... The fact that this was in government's hands, cities, states, maybe you know, maybe federally too. Uh, the fact that Austin, as an example, uh, Elon's new home base, right? Mm-hmm. Tesla's new headquarters. I wonder if he's going to get in the action here. Uh, if you don't know, Austin recently put together a plan. It's like a 10-year plan, multi-billion dollar project to give us some sort of in- infrastructure. The traffic's horrible here. There's no public transportation, hardly. Uh, They're planning to build some underground in downtown and then just generally a rail system. Mm -hmm. I wonder if Elon's going to get involved there once we realize (laughs) how slow this thing's going to go. Because I feel like that was at this point a couple years ago. I don't know how they're doing with that. 
maybe Elon steps in and just cuts the time in half. All right, well, we're going to tunnel out of this week's dose. Yeah, we certainly dug real deep into these companies today. Mm, Indeed, and I hope it was not a boring episode for our dear listeners out there. And that wraps it up for us today. Uh, I want to say to all the pilgrims out there, thank you for your continued support. Uh, You should expect from us, we have some really awesome interview guests on the docket in the next couple of months. So we're really excited to keep expanding our interview cadence. And as always, give us some feedback. You want to hear from somebody, you like the interviews better, you like our more traditional episodes, we need some feedback. Let us hear it. Give it to us. Don't hold back. We need it. I mean, at this point, we're just talking into the abyss. Right. Signing off. Y'all take care now. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for your next dose of startups and venture capital on Venture Pill. She told me that she only bumps my music when she's lonely. Thinks my vibe's a little low-key, okie-dokie. That's all right, but wait, I don't know how to do things differently. You think Elon's a pilgrim? Elon has definitely made the pilgrimage. He's probably a pilgrim at heart. He just doesn't know it yet. Yeah, we'll get to him. Yeah. We'll send him some merch.